0: So will it be the same but different or the same and just the same? It's another run at the Red Bull Ring this weekend. It's the Austrian Grand Prix, which will wrap up the triple header for Formula One. Another chance for Red Bull to extend their dominance and another chance for Mercedes to figure out how to punch back after not winning the last four races. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for joining us. We're going to preview the Austrian Grand Prix, another run at the Red Bull Ring. But first, first, thanks for giving this a listen. Hope you enjoy what we're doing. Give us a five-star review if you like what we're doing and subscribe to the podcast. All right. So it's Austria all over again. This time Pirelli will be going with softer compounds for Sunday's race. It make it a bit different than the Styrian Grand Prix last week, but also a full crowd is expected to be there this weekend. As many as 60,000 could be in attendance on Sunday. All right. This has been a wonderful season so far as we head into round nine of the world championships. We have seen two sides of this championship fight between Red Bull and Mercedes. Both sides have been frustrated and both have found their groove at some point. And right now it is Red Bull's time. The team has won the last four races, Max Verstappen, is red hot. He has won three of the last four four overall. He should have won at Baku and at the auburn sur Grand Prix if it wasn't for a tire failure. That would have made his dominance even more impressive. Lewis Hamilton was clearly outperformed by Verstappen last week. He never made it close once Max went out to the lead. He kept falling back, ultimately settled for second without any real strategic challenge. He did get the fastest lap of the race, but the big takeaway from the Styrian Grand Prix is that Mercedes has to find something else. You know, even Total Wolf admitted that Mercedes didn't have the pace to compete in the race. So Sunday offers all the teams a do-over they will have all the information from last week at their disposal to find out what worked and what didn't. It's kind of like a golfer, like getting a second chance at a putt. But as I mentioned before, Pirelli is going to go one step softer in the tire compounds, meaning if that if you liked how the hard tire ran last week, the C2s, that's not available for this race. So let's get started. Five things I'm looking for in the Austrian Grand Prix on Sunday. Number five, Williams Racing. George Russell got to start in the top 10 last week after he was moved up on a grid penalty by Yuki Tsunoda. So he got his choice of tires, and he had his car running in the top 10 for the early part of the race. Russell got to eighth once Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc tangled up on lap one. But then over the radio, he was told to go to plan B. He went into the pits, stayed in the pits for quite some time, came out in the back of the field, and then later on retired the car with the malfunction, and that was it. I think Russell is going to score some points for Williams before he moves on from the team, whenever that may be. I just feel this is going to happen, and last week was his best chance. He had the pace to stay in the top 10, and he was on a good tire strategy, so there was just some sort of idea that he would actually get some points. He just seems to run into something all the time, whether it's his own doing or just circumstances of racing. This was just one of those circumstances of racing. It's the same track. There's more data to ponder for Williams, and I'm curious how this team is going to respond to that setback that happened on Sunday. Number four on the list, and this is a good one, is Ferrari. Paul Ricard two weeks ago was a disaster. Neither Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz managed any points in the French Grand Prix. The Styrian Grand Prix was a chance to redeem that, and they did in a big way. Both drivers overcame some challenges earlier in the race. Leclerc charging through the field after a lap one pit stop after tangling with Pierre Geisley that had him down to 18th. Carlos Sainz started 12th, but he made those tires last until lap 41, and both drivers talked about the pace of the car being fantastic. And both were very, very confident that they had the speed to run in the top of the field. Uh, Mattia Bonato downplayed all of this, said Ferrari will struggle at other racetracks this year. That's fine. That's that's what you probably should say, given that you probably will struggle at some other racetracks this year. They could have had a better day if Leclerc didn't tangle with Gasly, but he had to be happy with how this played out in the end, right? I mean, Sainz has been a great addition to this team. Both drivers given McLaren a really good fight for P3 and the constructors. Science has finished in the points in 13 of his last 15 races when you go back to last year. So, look, it's not where Ferrari wants to be. I get that. I mean, they are one of the premier teams in Formula One. But this is a rise back from a terrible 2020. And I'm going to look to see how they qualify on Saturday to see if the pace is there again for Sunday with the softer compounds. Even if you're comparing Ferrari today, a Ferrari of old, what happened in Austria, given the circumstances, given the bad qualifying by Carlos Sainz and the lap one tanglement with Pierre Gasly, to get two drivers in those points, it's it was a very good race for the Scuderia. Number three of the things I'm looking forward to seeing in the Austrian Grand Prix is Valtteri Bottas. Okay, you knew this was coming. So much has been talked about Mercedes not having it on Sunday. Max was too strong, blah, blah, blah. But if you weren't paying attention, you missed a great run from Botas after a series of bad races from the Finn. Monaco's pit stop, the bad pace at Baku, his frustration in France that it should have been a two-stopper. All of this has been an issue for him. This has been plaguing him all season. You go to the tanglement with George Russell and Imola in round two. Sunday, however, he finished third and held off Sergio Perez while doing it. Now remember, he qualified P2 before he had to take a 3 pace grid penalty after spinning in the pit lane right in front of McLaren on Friday. So he started P5 and then ran a great race. He does very well at the Red Bull ring. He's won there a number of times, and if he can avoid any other incidents on Friday or Saturday, he should be a factor in this race. All right, the number two thing is the gap at McLaren. Lando Norris having a fantastic season. And if you've heard it once, you've heard it all year long so far, he's the only driver to score points in all eight races this season. He has finished fifth in back-to-back races, with only the Red Bulls and the Mercedes ahead of him. Realistically, that's the best he's going to do when those two teams are on point and finishing the race. And he's still ahead of Valtteri Botas in the points. It's Daniel Ricciardo. Just when I think he's got it, he doesn't. And the gap between him and Norris is too big for this team. He did not get out of Q3 on Saturday. That is the fourth time in six races that has happened. Remember his poor showing at Monaco? That's a circuit he loves. Now, I'm not going to be too hard on his performance Sunday. He had the car up in the points from a P13 start, but he did suffer power issues that caused him to fall back in the field, and he never made up the ground that he had gained. He finished 13th where he started. Ricardo currently is ninth in the points, and he's 52 back of Norris, who has a two-podium finish this year. Whether it's a mechanical issue or driver issue, this gap needs to tighten up. Ferrari bounced back on Sunday, and I agree, there are going to be some problems for the Scuderia coming up this season, but McLaren needs Danny Ricardo to finish better. The number one thing I'm looking forward to in the Austin Grand Prix is any difference? As mentioned earlier, Pirelli is going to be going with the softer set for this race, but will it make a difference? If the car worked well on the C2s, that won't be available for this race. The hards will be C3, medium C4, soft C5s. That's the softest compound they have. But here's something interesting. This could now be a two-stop race. The Styrian Grand Prix did not lend itself to a two-stopper. In fact, it was sort of speculated that it possibly could, but in the end, Lewis Hamilton did not try to make that work. But this race could be different with the softer compounds. In fact, I kind of think it's going to be a two-stop race. Just a thought. Also, Andrew Chauvin of Mercedes said that the team used a wacky setup for the race last week, and then it backfired. So will they figure out how to get more speed Sunday? They got the best result they could in a P2 and P3, knowing they didn't have the pace against Max Verstappen. So, looking to see if Mercedes brings anything different to Sunday's race. They probably will, but we'll see if the results are different. Also, weather. Rain was threatening all last week. It never arrived. This time, it's the same forecast, and it actually could come. Rain is likely for all three days this weekend. It's a 70% chance, as of this podcast recording, for Sunday's race, and you know how weather can affect a Formula One race. All right, let's get to track talk, and then we'll do top five, bottom five after the Styrian Grand Prix. Red Bull Ring is a really fun circuit, only 10 corners, but three DRS zones. It's compact. It's very quick. And the race will be 71 laps. Valtteri Bottas won last year's Austrian Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc finishing second. And last lap, Lando running third. His first podium of his career. He held off Lewis Hamilton to get that spot. A solid uphill right-hander at turn one. It leads to another uphill climb. A slight dip to the left. That's turn two, but that's flat out. Turn three is where all the action is. It's hard-breaking right-hander. Then it starts the downhill part of the track. After you get a brief DRS, you would go into turn four. A few more corners into turn eight. Another brief straight before a double right-hander for both turn nine and ten. And then it's DRS to the start finish line. The track was a redesign. It reopened in 2011. It was the A1 ring at one point in the late 90s. And then the track stopped hosting the Grand Prix in 2003. The Austrian Grand Prix started running on the new layout in 2014. So it went 10 seasons without a race in Austria. Max Verstappen has won the Austrian Grand Prix twice. And so has Valtteri Bowe. All right, after the Styrian Grand Prix, eight rounds of the World Championship, here's top five, bottom five from that race. Number one in the bottom five is Esteban Ocon. It's been a tough three races for Ocon, an early DNF at Baku. He got no points in France and none in Austria, and it's been a complete turnaround from the first five races of the season. He finished in the points on four occasions, and actually, if you can go back to some of the press that was talked about with Alpine, he was the bright spot of the team. Fernando Alonso getting back into Formula One, getting into the car whatnot. It was Esteban Ocon that was outshining the former world champion, and now the tables have turned a bit. Fernando Alonso is getting better in that car, and Ocon has taken two steps backwards, if not three steps backwards, and this came after he signed a contract extension for three years. Uh, number two, mentioned earlier, it's Daniel Ricardo. We've been talking about this for a while, and throughout this season, Ricardo is struggling this year. He had a great run in France, and, it, and I even said it looked like he was getting comfortable in the car. He had spent more time at in the simulator. He spent more time at the facility, Uh, but his past race, this was a setback. It was a P13 at the start, P13 at the end. He made some nice moves early, had the power issue. It's not entirely his fault, but in the end, results are results, and the drivers who don't get enough points are not really helping their team out. This hasn't been just a one-race deal for Danny Ricciardo. He's struggled all season. I know it's a new car. you got to give him a learning curve. But every progress that you felt that he made in France was set back with what he finished in Austria, even though the car did have some issues. All right, number three in the bottom five is Sebastian Vettel. And I hate to do this to Seb because he looked like everything was really turning around. He had gotten a podium in Baku. He's been running really well. Everyone seems to have a feel-good situation with Vettel, leaving Ferrari, going to Aston Martin, and now finally making it work. But Sunday was tough. He never got out of the traffic. He had a great run coming into Austria, but the race was really tough for him. He never found the pace that was comparable to Lance Stroll, his teammate. And then again, he finished outside the points. Number four, it's Nicholas Latifi. Now, I've been saying when I do top five, bottom five, that as far as the bottom goes, I try to stay away from Haas and Williams. They're backmarker teams. They struggle with the car. You know, there's two rookie drivers among those four. So I don't want to be too harsh on the teams. But Nicholas Latifi got tangled up in turn three on lap one. And finished 17th. He did recover on the racetrack and could not get moving. A lot of talk about Williams having some pace. It never materialized for him. His only overtake was against Nikita Mazepin. And the final bottom five is Antonio Giovinazzi. It's the same situation with Latifi. He was caught up in the turn three mess on lap one. He did manage a P14 out of the deal, but it wasn't a good race for him. Um, But he has had a pretty good season so far for Alfa Romeo. So I don't want to be too hard on these last two guys, but in the end, uh, that's where they belong. All right, top five. One, Charles Leclerc. I got to make this very clear, and I did so in the review of the Styrian Grand Prix. It was his fault that he made contact with Pierre Gasly. That is entirely on him. But he did respond so well that he earned driver of the day. He had a lot of overtakes to run that car into seventh and also get points for Ferrari. He called it one of the best drives of his career, and rightfully so. He went from P18 and managed to get through and get points, and that was a great run for him. Number two. George Russell. Yeah, I said it. George Russell is in my top five. I don't know when I'll be able to say that at various points this year. Hopefully he'll get points and I'll be able to put him in again. Uh, the car had to be retired. Yeah, he benefited from Sonoda's grid penalty at the start. He got a P10 starting spot. He got his choice of tires. I don't care. He had a good run going until the pit stop and uh, he would have finished in the points had he finished that race. I really do think the tire strategy was working well for him. I think the pace of the car was there. I think George Russell would have finished in points. So you know what? Because of that, I'm going to put him in my top five. Number three, it's Valtteri Bottas. Same thing I said earlier in this podcast. A great bounce back for him after some really bad results slash circumstances this season. Uh, he started fifth after the grid penalty after qualifying second, finished third, held off a hard-charging Sergio Perez for that podium. And all of the talk about Mercedes needs to do this, Mercedes needs to do that. When you think about it, it still was a good result for them. I mean, obviously they want to win, right? Obviously they want to show that they're the best the best car on the grid. But if Max Verstappen is going to have that kind of pace where he's just going to easily pull away from the pack, including Lewis. Hamilton, then Mercedes' best result is a 2-3, and that's what they got, and they got it because Botas made his run work, holding off Perez at the very, very end. Number four, it's Lando Norris. Finished fifth, but with both Mercedes and Red Bull ahead of him, it's the best of the rest. He dominated the midfield in every way possible. So he is not only the best of the rest, he's the very very best of the rest. At the Red Bull Ring he has had he had a comfortable lead against the field. He's already got two podiums this year. His worst result so far this season was 8th in Spain. This has been great for Lando Norris and McLaren. And number 5, no surprise, it's Max Verstappen. This was a masterclass performance. He pulled away from Hamilton. And then, more importantly, he kept increasing that lead lap after lap. He had about a 4-5 to second lead when the thought of possibly doing a two-stop strategy for Mercedes was possible when it was going to be in that window. The gap was too big. So they decided to sort of settle back and finish second. He just simply owned the weekend. There's nothing more you can say about it. Alrighty, so there you have it for top five, bottom five at the Styrian Grand Prix last weekend. Let's do a quick check of the driver standings. Max Verstappen leading with 156 points. Lewis Hamilton with 138. Red Bull Sergio Perez at 96. Lando Norris fourth at 86, 10 points behind Sergio Perez. Valtteri Bottas is fifth, 74. Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz running six and seven in the standings with 58 and 50 points apiece. Pierre Gasly has 37. He is eighth. Daniel Ricciardo ninth with 34 points on the season. Sebastian Vettel rounding out the top 10 with 30. Constructors' standings, Red Bull with a 40-point lead over Mercedes, Red Bull with 252 points, Mercedes 212, McLaren with 120. They are 12 points ahead of Ferrari, who has 108. In the battle for P5, Alfa leads Aston Martin by just 2 points, 46-44. to Finally, some predictions for the Austrian Grand Prix coming up this weekend. It has been very difficult to pick against Red Bull, but a couple of weeks ago, it was very hard to pick against Mercedes. They looked like they had everything going with good runs at Portugal and a good run at Barcelona with Hamilton winning. But since Monaco, it has been all Red Bull and it's hard to pick against them. And it's right now hard to pick against Max Verstappen. Do I think the tires make a difference going into this race? Yes and no. I I do think a two-stop strategy is going to be in play. And with that, anything can happen. When I was talking to the steering grand prix and one of the reasons that hamilton i think decided not to go with a two-stop strategy to try to catch verstappen is i just think they didn't think it would work it's a shorter track you're gonna have some traffic you're in a longer time in the dirty air it's gonna be hard to sort of make that move even on fresher tires but a two-stop strategy is probably in play here given the softer compounds i'm still gonna take max verstappen to win this race i don't think mercedes is going away i think you're gonna have the same kind of result those top four drivers With Verstappen winning, Hamilton second, maybe Perez runs third, Valtteri fourth. I do think Mercedes and Red Bull pulls away from the field. I think that this could be a tough race for Ferrari. Now, they just had a great steering Grand Prix, but with the softer compounds, tire degradation issues in France, I think that could come back for them in this race. I think they'll still finish either in the points or close enough, but I think it's going to be a tough day for the Scuderia. I expect the opposite from McLaren. I think both drivers are going to do very well. I think Daniel Ricciardo... Was very excited when he was able to get the car with full power running through the field from a P13. I think the mechanical issues will not be there, and I think he will bounce back and have a good showing. I think Lando will just do what Lando does. He'll run in the top five. He'll probably finish fifth. That seems to be a spot for him. I also think George Russell is going to contend for points. I should predict that he will get points, but I don't know if I want to go that far. But if he finishes all 71 laps, I think he'll be in the running to be in the top 10. I I just don't know if he'll get there, but I think he'll be in the running. It'll create some excitement for those of you who are kind of rooting for George Russell to get at least a point in this race or some other race uh, on the calendar coming up. I just hope that this race has a little bit more excitement in the front. Yeah, fine. It's good to see Max Verstappen dominate a race. If you're a Max Verstappen fan, if you're a Red Bull fan, it's good to see. They've been on the backside of Lewis Hamilton's dominant runs for a while. Maybe you like to see it be reversed but I want to see more challenge. I mean, Lewis Hamilton just didn't have the pace and Verstappen just kept pulling away. The seconds kept increasing and it just didn't make for an exciting run to the finish. It was, you know, dominance is dominance. And sometimes we like seeing that, but sometimes we also like seeing where it's coming down to the last few laps and you got some energy and excited like France. That was just, thrilling. We saw it at Bahrain to open up the season as well, so I hope we get that in the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, One other scheduling note, I did mention this earlier this week, Turkey's back on the calendar. It replaces Singapore in the fall, so it's good to have Turkey back on the calendar at Istanbul Park. Uh, That'll come in early October. All right, one final note. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I want to sort of give you a little bit of a background as to why I'm doing this. I'm an American sports talk show host. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I work for SportsMap Radio, where I do a morning show, where I talk NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all all the sports, but Formula One is not something I get to talk about on a regular basis. So I created this podcast because it has been a strong passion of mine, and also I'm starting to notice more and more of my friends really interested in Formula One. So I'm trying to create a podcast that helps out the beginners to the sport, as well as have a realistic and, and purposeful conversation to those of you who have been following the sport for a number of years like I have. Down the road, I'd like to be getting some more guests on the show to talk more about this. So there's another voice to this podcast. But as we start off and as this is our first year, this is sort of the format we're going. So I really do appreciate the support that you've been showing. If you need to contact the show in any way, like to ask a question, you can reach me at the overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Tony D radio. I'd love to converse with any of you out there that are interested in uh, Formula One. All right. So we'll have a review of the Austrian Grand Prix coming up on Monday. Be sure to look out for that. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.